You're listening to Resident. Rehivasi. Kazi. Banor. Mukim. Ipua. Ritil Deganashi. Al Mukim. Residente. A 10 part series exploring individual perspectives on the immigrant experience in Ireland and the personal histories that led them here. This is episode 4 Joe. Fernando de Almeida. My friends call me Joe Snake, Joe Snake Modified. I'm Brazilian, born in Rio, raised in New York, Brooklyn. I traveled nomadic for, for a while and wound up here. My friends used to call me Joe in Brazil. They used to call me Joe Tremundo, which means from another world. They would always say, you know, oh, there's Joe, Joe's coming down. And snake was an indigenous word, uh, wahi, which means venomous snake in Shavunch dialect. And uh, I was called, you know, wahi for a while. It means venomous snake, but it's supposed to mean like you're too smart for your own good. And then modified, modified mostly just because, you know, my world is modified constantly 24-7. It has nothing really to do with the body modifications, really. So my tattoo designs are Shavanchi motifs. They're Shavanchi based. Obviously, the Shavanchi tribe doesn't tattoo themselves. They paint themselves for rituals, special occasions, things like that. I tattooed myself, obviously, because, you know, I'm in the industry, one. And two, to me, every day is a, every day is a special occasion. Every day is a new experience. Every day is a, a ritual. So my tattoos are bold, black, Across the eyes, big, bold black across my chin and under. And I have dots across uh, above my eyes. I have 12 dots above my eyes. They all symbolize things. They all mean things. So let's say, for example, the 12 dots are for the 12 cycles, 12 moons. Grew up in Rio, big city. I don't really remember much from when I was really young, you know. I, I do remember hanging out with my grandpa a lot because my grandpa was a uh, shaman and a herbalist. And I remember helping him with his herbalism. And he was a healer, mostly dealing with herbs and things. He wouldn't really do, like, spiritual things. He would mostly deal with herbs. He grew up in Mato Grosso do Sul. And if I understand correctly... By the time he was uh, 17, his land was pretty much taken over. His people didn't really have where to go. So he went to Rio with no Portuguese because he would only speak dialect at the time. So my mom is half indigenous and her mom was half black, half white. My dad's family was uh, Portuguese. And if I understand correctly, some sort of Lebanese mix. We moved to the States really young and disconnected from the family quite a bit. I didn't really see a lot of my family or aunt and cousins or anything for a long time. We were pretty poor back in Brazil and our living situation wasn't really all that great. My grandma was already living in New York, so she brought us back to New York for a better life sort of thing. I have first memories of snow 
going to Central Park, building the first snowman, getting my first winter jacket, which I still remember, bubble jacket, blue, red stripes on the, uh, on the arms. <laughs> I learned English really fast, you know, obviously because I was a young kid to pick up languages like that. I was in uh, English as a second language class, you know, in elementary school. And the teacher, I remember her name, Miss Dollinger, I remember. She taught me well, but uh, the cartoons was really what did it, <laughs> you know. Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, Looney Tunes. <laughs> we all lived in a small one-bedroom studio, and it was the tiniest thing in the world. A little L-shaped apartment sort of thing. Like the uh, the shower was in the kitchen, you know what I mean? And like the bathroom had no sinks. Like we'd have to use the kitchen sink, you know. And this is in Manhattan, 79th Street, New York Avenue. So it's a nice, really good location, you know. The apartment was in Manhattan, but I was always in Brooklyn. All my friends were in Brooklyn. Manhattan was just because my grandma lived in Manhattan and, you know, the school was in Manhattan. <laughs> I was always really the outcast in school. I didn't really have too many friends. So I always say I grew up in Brooklyn. That's where home really was. My mom, she was, she was like a bank teller and she was a waitress and something else. I don't know. I think she was like a cleaner or something. So I hardly ever saw her when I was young. You know, she was always out of the house. Um, my grandma would mostly take care of me and my brother because she was working the three jobs four jobs sometimes. But she was always a banker. She, at one point, rose to a really high-level position as vice president of J.P. Morgan. And she's done uh, charity work all over the world, mostly in uh, Latin American countries. So a lot of charities, a lot of pro-women rights and things like that. She was awarded a Woman of the Year from uh, the Association of Professional Women in the States. I'm super proud of her. Single woman, New York. She fought hard. Every summer, I would go to Brazil and spend the summer with my dad. The one thing I could tell you about my dad, he was never actually one profession sort of person. He was never stable. He was never really like that. He was a, uh, what we like to call a hustler. He would hustle in, 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 his, in his own way. He would have like a mansion for like two, three years and then sell that buy a smaller house, get a few cars, fix those, and then sell a few cars, get a, a, he had a cinder block factory that I used to work at. You know what I mean? Like he would wheel and deal in that sort of sense. Me and a group of friends decided to go to the Amazon and, and camp and stayed there for a few months. Yeah, it was like 16. You know, I didn't tell anybody, I just left. My dad didn't even know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's always been me. I just, I feel like it, I go. Louder than you would expect the Amazon, you would think, oh yeah, nice, serene, quiet. Nope. It was very loud. Lots of animals. We came across a jaguar at one point, but it was kind of far-ish. They don't really go after humans. You know, they're pretty afraid of humans, I think. We'd go into the local town once a week. It was like a day and a half trip to town. Just to pick up, like, rice, beans, that sort of stuff. Go back into our campsite. Um, check our traps, go hunting. 
we mostly relied on what we caught. There was a tortoise, there was hummingbirds, frogs, and monkeys, tarantulas, which was kind of like chicken, but crispy, and a little gooier, like mushier. Nowadays, I'm horrified. <laughs> you know, I, I'm ashamed to say. But I always say, you know, I'm a vegetarian now, but if I was to go back to the jungle, there's nothing I can do. I would have to go hunting, you know. My dad hardly knew I left because my bedroom was separate from the house, was detached. I was a teenager back then, so I was rarely ever home. So if I wasn't in school, I was surfing at the time. So technically, he would hardly see me. When I did tell him what I did, <laughs> like when I did come home and actually finally tell him what I did, he, uh, he got mad a little bit. Yeah, he got mad a little bit. But knowing that I came back alive and actually took good care of myself, he was kind of proud. So I'd leave the summer in New York, but in Brazil at that time, it would be winter. And uh, by the time I came back to the States from my summer vacation, it was winter again. So uh, it was pretty much winter all my life. When you're living in New York, it's exactly what people think. You know, it's dirty. It's busy. It never stops. It's 24-7. It's, you want to get home and you want to get some rest? There is no rest. Every night, one of your friends is going to call you and say, oh, most deaf is playing. You want to go see? Or, you know, one of your favorite bands, whatever, Simple Tour, Alice in Chains or something is playing. You know, you want to go see? You're not going to turn that down. You're like, yeah. <laughs> so you never really rest. Like, you get home five in the morning, you're getting up to go to work again every night. I was very young, I'll tell you that, when I started working in the tattoo shop. I was about uh, 16, 17. I was a counter person. It was a tattoo shop slash head shop. So I used to be a counter person selling, you know, pipes, rolling papers, things like that. And then one day, the one of the piercers quit. And the next thing you know, I became a piercer. First tattoo I got was a tiny little Chinese letter, one on each shoulder. One meant water, because of my water sign. The other one meant strange, because I was very strange. <laughs> Honestly... I really only wanted that one tattoo at that time. And if I looked at myself nowadays, I'd think I was fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. I've never really actually felt stable. Never really felt like anywhere was home, really. So when I left New York, it was literally leave everything in the apartment. Years of working, seven days and 15 hours a day. I just looked at it one day and I just said, you know what? I left all my suits, I left my computer, I left all my furniture, everything, in the apartment, gave, them, gave in my keys and just left. A company in the States uh, for, for body jewelry, plugs, earplugs, lip plugs, things like that, um, they offered me a job to go on the road selling jewelry as a road rep. So they would give me the car, credit card, and the jewelry stock. And I'd have to go call up every tattoo shop in every state, figure out who wants to see me, stop by there on the route. So driving every day, no real vacation or anything. 
that was my vacation. It was my life on the road. You're driving across from New York to California. It'd be like four days. You'd try to book it, like try to drive for two days. And I've, I've done quite, I've done quite a bit of driving, you know, quite a bit of swerving, sleeping on the on the wheel. I remember one time I had to make it from California to uh, San Antonio, Texas, and I made it in like I believe like 27 hours or something. And it was like straight through the night, like no sleeping, no nothing, like not one state I missed, not one town, seen every town, at least 95% of every tattoo shop in the country, aside from Hawaii and Alaska, really. At first, it was super interesting because I already had friends all over the States from being a piercer. I do tattoo conventions and uh, body suspension shows at tattoo conventions and uh, venues we used to perform for bands and things like this. So it was super interesting traveling the States and being able to stay at my friends' houses everywhere, you know, as opposed to going to a hotel. Every once in a while, I'd camp at a, a National Reserve Park and things like that, you know, because it's like super cheap and beautiful, you know. Some days were, let's say, a lot of days. I actually wouldn't make even any money. You know, so I'd go hungry for a couple of days, like getting fed through my friends or people I met on the way. Like a lot of times I'd just pull in at a pub somewhere in a town and I'd meet some people in the pub and they were cool as hell. And they'd invite me to the house, stay over at the house for the night. You know, I'd tell them my story, you know, like nomadic driving around. They're like, oh, let's come stay at the house with us. We'll take care of you for the night. Not too many bad experiences meeting people at pubs like that and then going to their houses and things like that. Not too many bad experiences. One or two. Because a lot of times I wouldn't even be allowed in looking like I do. In small town pubs and things like that. And that happened quite a bit. When you're traveling, when you're performing, when, you're, when your life's so busy... You hardly remember what you had for breakfast. You know, there's a lot of memories that I just lost. And there's a lot of memories that just flash back. And I'm like, holy hell, I remember that. You know, when you get too many memories and you start losing certain memories because you have too many memories, you like, you don't have that much space in your brain. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why farmers remember like a certain day in like 1942 at whatever time and what they were wearing that day. And because nothing happens, that's all they do is farm, you know what I mean? Like, So I've traveled around for a long time. But towards the end, it got a little boring. Four years straight on the road, stopping by every same town that I'd been to a couple months beforehand, over and over. It didn't really diversify much from there. You start wanting something a little more stable. I came on vacation in 2012 for a three-week vacation with my brother. We got in an argument the first day we were here, literally the first night. You know, we were drinking a bit. We just got in Ireland and said, you know, let's go drinking. <laughs> we both got drunk. Somehow the topic kids came about, and I was like, no, I don't want kids. No kids. The kids will tie me down, I said at the time. Kids will tie me down. I'll never be able to travel anymore. The very next day, he took a plane back to New York, and I stayed. My three-week vacation turned into an eight-month vacation. And during that time, I met my wife. 
I said that to him. I said, if it wasn't for you and us getting in, in, into that argument, I probably wouldn't have met the love of my life. I went to a club and she was standing outside and I was hanging out with a friend and they knew each other, the friend and her. She at the time had a piercing in her forehead, a little bindi piercing, they call them. And uh, I was impressed, you know, I was impressed by the piercing because it's straight as hell and well done. It was a well done piercing. And me being a piercer, I was impressed. So I walked up to her, didn't say a word. I looked at her piercing and I was like, that's amazing. Who did that? She was like, I did. And I was like, that's amazing. And I walked back into the club and that was it. And then a little while later, I did a guest spot in her shop. And uh, I asked her to have a drink with me. And I got so drunk that night <laughs> that I just walked away. I went to walk her home, her, her friend, and myself. And we're walking to her house. And we got to this one corner where I had to go one direction and they had to go another direction. And I literally didn't even say anything. I didn't say goodbye. I didn't say anything. I just turned around and walked away. And she was like super confused by it. <laughs> but then the next day I sent her a message and I was like, you know, I had fun. Let's hang out again. At the time I was living in Sligo, working at a uh, tattoo shop up there. So I used to have this apartment up there. And when I did this guest spot and we hung out and all that, immediately, literally like a week of us hanging out together, I was living in her house. The fact that I wasn't too busy up there in Sligo and the fact that she had a dog, a Shih Tzu, the dog was like heavily pregnant and about to pop and she had to go to work. That was my question. It was, how are you going to take care of the puppies? You know? And she said, I have to go to work. There's nothing I can do. And I said, well, I have nothing to do. I'll take care of these puppies while you go to work. So that was my life for a bit. I took care of puppies for a while, and that was that. That became our, our relationship. I was here for a few months, overstayed my visa by a few months sort of thing, went back to the States, traveled around for a few months. She came to the States to meet me, stayed there for a few months with me, and then she came back here. But we had a discussion while we were in South Carolina. We had a discussion saying, uh, you know, what are we going to do? We're not going to date each other across the sea. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to keep coming back to Ireland every couple months, and you're not going to keep coming back to the States every couple months, so what are we going to do? It's either we get married or split. And we just decided to get married. I don't think she took it seriously <laughs> at the time. She didn't take it seriously. Actually, I know that for a fact. <laughs> but uh, after I told my friends I was going to get married and all that, and my friends sent her a message saying, oh, congratulations. She was like, oh, he's like dead serious. And I came back a few months after and got married. The wedding was pretty much her friends and family and my one brother. And the dog, our dog, Chico, she was the ring bearer. I love this city. It, it reminds me of Brooklyn a bit. In the fact that it's a city, but it's small enough to almost consider it a town. You know what I mean? You can walk across it in an hour. To me, that's a small city. The fact that our tattoo community, everyone knows each other, is also a big, a big thing to me. 
you know, because in the States, uh, I had all my friends from the community as well. But it's so spread out that you can't really just walk over and hang out with somebody. You know, you got to like plan on going to their house for like a few days because it's like a couple states over. You either drive over for days to get there or you take a plane over. And over here, it's like, oh, I'm coming over. <laughs> and you pretty much just take a cab over to the house or you walk over or whatever. Since I was young, never really felt like anywhere was home, really. But here is where I actually found home. You know, this is home to me now. I feel rooted, definitely. I'm, this is home. I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world anymore. Can you hear me? You hear me all right? Cool. <laughs> a lot of things has happened in the past like year and change. You have no idea, man. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it's been mad. Um, yeah, I'm back in New York City in uh, Ridgewood, which is borderline Queens, Brooklyn. I moved back about, I'd say about seven months ago, maybe August. COVID, uh, COVID happened, you know, <laughs> COVID destroyed a lot of, a uh, lot of relationships. So it kind of destroyed mine as well. I wasn't able to apply for the stimulus, you know, the government aid stuff. My wife was, but I wasn't. So it, we kind of struggled a lot. We had to go through a lot of our savings and, uh, it just at the end, it was a little much. She couldn't take it, you know, so. It was, it was, it was rough on me, the whole, the whole thing. Everywhere I turned, I would probably see her or one of her friends and she has the dogs and, you know, you know, it's very rough. So I just decided to come back and not be in a small city with her. So I just said, let me go back home, reestablish my stopping grounds, put my feet down, put my head down and get back to work. I'm still, you know, I'm still Pearson. When I moved back here, um, I have a really good friend who owns one of the biggest, most known tattoo shops in the world called Bank Bank Studios. And I work for Bank Bank now. I've been doing a lot of jewelry designing. So I'm doing like gold and diamond jewelry. So kind of looking forward to see some of those designs on people. <laughs> my mom and my brother are still here, you know, so... I hang out with my mom a lot. At least once a week, I go over and cook her dinner, make sure she's got company. She said a lot of her worrying is gone now because I'm here, you know, so. But just coming back here just felt weird. I didn't feel like re like a New Yorker, really. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Kind of surreal, to tell you the truth, because I was like, you know, try to remember certain things, certain places, how to get around the subways. So, you know, I had to learn it again. There's a lot of adjustments I had to make. It was a bit rough, but we're doing well. We're doing much, much better now. So new girlfriend, new place, new job. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a bit of traveling already planned and already on the go. I've already have planned uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico at the end of this month. I have Guadalajara in July. 
I've, I've always traveled all my life, so I kind of have like a whole lot of friends everywhere, you know, but I don't know. This time around, I'm not really seeing anybody. I'm just going to travel on my own, me and me and my girlfriend, you know. Dublin was, you know, hometown for better half of 10 years, you know. Um, you know, I'll come back probably to visit one day, but I probably won't live there anymore. Uh, it's definitely a closed book for me, my friend. Definitely a closed book. Thanks for listening. This has been a Bearprint Media production produced by Bjorn McGilla and me, Rob Flynn. Edit and mixed by me with original music by Hakuyo of Sonic Gate Studios. Special thanks to all our contributors for making this series possible. This series was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. Thanks very much for your support.